Uh, good morning, everybody. I want to add my welcome to everybody else's. My name is Pastor Jim Olson. I have the honor of serving here as the senior pastor at Bethel Christian Fellowship for the last, well, I'm in my 24th year now, so um, I'm having a great time. It's so wonderful to be with you. The most important thing I love about being a part of this house is having the opportunity to come into his presence as a community together and to hear his voice as he speaks so clearly to us. And I love it when he speaks the message before I do, as he did today, all the way through prayer from the time of pre-service prayer. And if you ever want to come early, come anytime after 9 o'clock and there's people here praying uh, up here at this altar area just waiting on the presence of the Lord, and it's marvelous to just kind of get your heart in that place of readiness and also just to hear what he's speaking and saying and then to see that unfold before us. It just doesn't get better than that. So Jesus, um, before your people and before you, I just want to say thank you today for already speaking to us, Lord. Even if we only were able to understand 10% of the words, Lord, We have heard the message today, Lord, and your desire to engage with us. And Lord, we desire to engage with you. And today we pray, Lord God, as we hear your word, that Jesus, you would speak to us today. Lord, come and be with us today. And Lord, let us hear your heart as you share with us what is in your heart. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, kind of like, it's a wonderful reset Sunday here. I mean, we've just been hearing over and over again already about this being 2013, a year to engage. Thank you, Mo, for kind of tying that in for us as well. Um, And it really is a year, a year for the Lord to engage with us, a year for us to engage with the Lord and a year for us to engage with that which is upon his heart. And so as Pastor Sam and I have been um, praying through the year and uh, seeking direction in terms of what to bring to us as a congregation in terms of sermon series and kind of uh, bringing a trajectory, the Lord has led us very specifically and walked us through a series of messages that we've already been hearing since January. The first um, series that we did this uh, during the month of January was called Kaleo, which means called. And um, our key scripture was from 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. For you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And in that sermon series, we discovered that Jesus really issues three calls to us. The first being, come to me, it's the call to belong. Come after me, the call to believe. And to come with me, the call to become. And those, of course, form the DNA of this house. And the rhythm of our life together in him is to belong, to believe, and to become. To come to me, to come after me, and to come with me. And then secondly, we um, did a series that was called Apostello, which means sent. When Jesus had called the 12 together, 
He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. I was just reading this passage again. I'm spending time in my own personal devotional time in the Gospels, and I was just reading Luke 9 this morning and reminded again of the power of this scripture. When he sends us, he, 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 first of all, those three verbs, he called us because we have authority because of our position in Christ. He gave, gives to us abilities through the power of the Holy Spirit, and then he sends us, we have authorization to fulfill the purposes of the Father. And so we were discovering throughout Lent what it means to be a sent people, what it means to be people who are on mission, to be missional people. It's a, it's a contemporary word that's being used because often we think of missionary and we think of Mo and Marla, someone who's gone to another part of the world in order to proclaim Christ. But we are called, we're all called in that sense to be missionaries. We're all called to be missional people. And then the last series, which we just completed through the springtime, was a series called Function. Function, which was praxis, because we were using uh, Greek words here throughout those first three um, sermon series. And our key scripture was from Romans chapter 12, verses uh, 1 to 8, but specifically 4 and 5, where it says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all of the others. And so over the course of time, we looked at these seven different motivational gifts. Prophecy, teacher, leader, servant, exhorter, mercy, giver. And notice that all of these motivational gifts are centered in Christ, and he alone gets the glory as they function together in him. So what we discovered throughout that sermon series was that God has created each of us in a particular way. We have a unique and particular ministry shape, and a part of that shaping is through the motivational gifts that God has given to us that's embedded into our DNA. It's part of who we are. And because it's a part of who we are, when we know who we are, then we will know what to do. When you know who you are, you will know what to do. All right. So all of that, because for me and the way I think, I need to be thinking big picture. It helps me when I kind of know where I've been and where I'm going. So we've been called. We've been sent. We have been given particular function. And now we are called to take off and run. Specifically, to run for your life. All right, so if you have your Bible, turn with me to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. And this is going to form the... um, This particular scripture will be the foundational, fundamental scripture for this series which will take us through the summer. This is certainly one of the most well-known passages in Scripture and is a Scripture that many of you have reflected on in the past and you've perhaps heard numerous messages on it. So I'm not necessarily, for some of you, I might not be sharing something brand new. For others of you, you may not have 
had the opportunity to hear um, these words before. And so I just want to encourage you, whether it's the first time hearing it or whether hearing it for the thousandth time, to hear it afresh this morning and get captivated and captured by the picture that is presented here. Hebrews chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, please take use of the one that's located right in front of you. And the book of Hebrews is located right before the book of James and right after the book of Philemon. It's kind of almost towards the back of your Bible New Testament. All right, so Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off, or, and this is going to be the foundation of the sermon series, take off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Do not grow weary and lose heart. All right. Well, let's take a few moments and unpack this together this morning. First of all, what's the first, verse, what's the first word of Hebrews 12, verse 1? What's the first word that shows up there? What is it? Therefore. So, when that's the first word in a passage, what's your first question? What's the therefore, therefore? All right? Whenever you read therefore, it always is referencing you back to what has come before. So when you hear therefore, you ask yourself, why or what is the therefore Therefore. So what is there before the therefore? Anybody help me? Okay, what God has planned for us. And, but, but what's the whole kind of the arc right before that Hebrews 12? What comes before Hebrews 12? Thank you. Chapter 11. <laughs> before chapter 12, there's chapter 11. Ding, ding, ding. All right, Denise. Good. And what do we find in Hebrews chapter 11? There's lots of extra sermon points available today, all right? Faith. All right? So let's go all the way back to Hebrews 11.1. In fact, we're going to go all the way back to Hebrews 10.35. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere... So that when you have done this, the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. How many of you know that God's little while and our little while are very different? We just heard a testimony about that this morning. 33 years of praying. That's a little while. In our eyes, that's a really long little while. Right? But... He who is coming will come and not delay. My righteous one will live by faith. If he shrinks back, I'll not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. 
We're not going to be those that shrink back and give up. When the going gets tough, we're going to be the tough who don't run, but we are going to be the tough who get going, who actually engage and press on and press in and press through into the purposes and heart of God. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And then he goes on through the rest of chapter 11 to talk about those ancients and the faith that they had and what that faith did in each of their lives and how that faith intersects with your and my life today. So let's come back. Therefore, so now we're, therefore, we understand Hebrews 11, talking about faith, talking about perseverance. This book is written to a people who are under intense persecution, who I always think of Hebrews 10.35 all the way through our passage today as a hand on our back, when you are about ready to fall down, when you are about ready to give up, go back to Hebrews 10, Hebrews 11, Hebrews 12, and get the hand of the Lord on your back again. Because we are not going to be those who shrink back and give up. We're going to be those who relinquish in faith and persevere. So therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now here's the deal. There's a picture that's going to be unfolding here, and I want to take us very quickly through that picture. The first thing that we have, the first thing that we see are these witnesses. These witnesses. Now here's the, here's the problem. When we get this picture in our mind, now I want you to picture for a moment that you are standing like the the picture in the front of your bulletin and you're ready, you're at the starting blocks and you're ready and you're looking and there are all of these witnesses. When you have that picture in your mind, typically you and I are thinking of those witnesses as spectators who are watching us, right? The crowd in the stands. But I want you to flip that upside down this morning in your mind and think not of these witnesses as simply spectators that are watching you, but these are the men and women who have gone before you whom you are watching. who are speaking into your life. Think of it. Abel, up in the stands saying, make your best sacrifice. You hear the voice of Enoch yelling, step by step, day by day, he'll lead you. There's Noah hollering, Listen to your coach's voice. Do whatever he says, no matter what. 
There's Abraham. Right near the starting line, speaking with a voice that penetrates through the din. You can do it. You can be a friend of God. And you get up to the starting blocks. And you're looking ahead. And you see this course. And it's not like any course that you've ever seen in your life. Because this course takes twists and turns and, and, and does switchbacks and goes up and down and over. And it's like the most convoluted course that you've ever seen in your life. But as you're looking out before you, you see way out at the very finish line, you see one standing whose eyes are blazing like fire whose hands are opened and you see the nail-pierced hands. And he's saying to you, come, my child. You hear the voice of the Savior saying, run for your life. So these witnesses, listen to this, by faith Abel brought a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith Abel still speaks. He still speaks even though he's dead. The men and women in this book still speak to us. Even though they're long gone from the face of this earth, Their testimony still speaks to you and I today. These witnesses aren't only looking at us, we're looking to them as our examples. They inspire us. Press on, do well, keep advancing. Don't give up. Keep going. Do you hear their voices today? And it's not just the men and women of Scripture. It's the men and women who are before us. It's the men and women who are older than us. Those that have gone before us. Those that have gone further than us. Sometimes it's those that are younger than us, but have gone further on than we have, who speak to us and remind us and say, keep going. I'm so grateful for fathers and mothers in the faith. I have fathers and mothers in the faith who speak into my life and say, keep running. Keep running. There's the preparation, and this is where we're going to be spending much of our time over these next several weeks. Because the Bible tells us here so clearly, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us throw off everything, and and the word there is literally the weights, the weights that hinder, and the sin that entangles. 1 Corinthians 9, 24-27, Paul writes this. He says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I don't run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it a slave, my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself not be, might not be disqualified for the prize. 
So there's a preparation that needs to happen. And that's what Pastor Sam and I have felt from the Lord calling us to speak into this summer. We're going to be speaking on, there's a, there's a, there's a double meaning to this takeoff. It's the takeoff and run, but it's also the preparation of what do I need to take off to be able to run. And that's a journey we're going to be taking this summer together. Because we need to take off the weights that hinder and restrict our movements and the sins that entangle and constrict our freedom to run. I don't know about you, but it's hard to run with those, that extra weight, that extra, those things entangling our lives. The hindrances, the bindings. We want to walk and live and run freely in the course that he set before us. That's what we're going to be looking at this summer. All right. Then there's the race itself. We've got the race itself. We've seen the witnesses. We've heard their voices. They've been speaking to us. They're they're calling their encouragement to us. We're going to be spending the rest of our time the next weeks talking about the preparation. But how about the race itself? Philippians 3, Paul says this, not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is our race. It's a unique race that God has given to each of us. He has given you a unique race to run. This is the, this is the, you know, we're not all running the same race. I mean, we are in the broad sense of the term, but each of us have a unique race to run that God has given to us. Based on our ministry shape, the way he's made us, the way he's created us, the circumstances, all of the situations of our lives, each of us have a unique race to run. But one thing that is common for all of us, and that is the call to run with perseverance. And we heard it this morning. Brenda was exhorting us over and over again. Did anybody catch that? She was exhorting us over and over about that. Thank you, Brenda. That was exactly what the Lord needed to speak to us this morning. Let me give you a picture of this. Listen to this great story. In 1981, Bill entered the Pepsi Challenge 10,000-meter race in Omaha, Nebraska. Surgery 10 years earlier for an aneurysm in the brain had left him paralyzed on his left side. Now on that misty July morning, he stands with 1,200 lithe men and women at the starting line. The gun sounds, the crowd surges forward, and Bill throws his stiff left leg forward, pivots on it as the foot hits the ground, And his slow plop, plop, plop rhythm seems to mock him as the pack races into the distance. Sweat rolls down his face. Pain pierces his ankle, but he keeps going. Some of the runners complete the race in about 30 minutes. But two hours and 29 minutes later, Bill reaches the finish line. 
And a man approaches from a small group of remaining bystanders. Though exhausted, Bill recognizes him from pictures in the newspaper. It's Bill Rogers, the famous marathon runner, who then drapes his newly won medal around Bill's neck. Bill Broadhurst's finish was as glorious as that of the world's greatest, though he finished last. Why? Because he ran with perseverance. William Barclay says that determination, unhasting, unresting, unhurrying, and yet undelaying, which goes steadily on and which refuses to be deflected, obstacles will not daunt it, delays will not depress it, discouragements will not take its hope away, it will halt neither for discouragement from within nor from opposition with, from without. You see, it's quite within the reach of every one of us to manifest positive, conquering patience, putting one foot in front of the other until we reach the glorious end. Listen, we each have our own unique race to run. And we are to run it with patience and perseverance. And the victory goes not to the swift or the strong or to the smart, but to those who are wholly stubborn. It says in the Bible that Jesus put his face, set his face like a flint. He knew what was coming. He knew the cross was before him. He set his face like a flint. He was not going to be deterred. The focus. Two more things. The focus. What are we focusing on? Well, what does our scripture say? Come back to Hebrews 12. What does it say? Run with perseverance the race marked out for us. What does verse 2 say? Let us what? Do what? Fix our eyes on Jesus. I've shared this story before, but it's helpful to remind you of it again today. A few years ago, I was on a prayer retreat, and everything around me in my circumstances, I was feeling sick physically when I went on the retreat, and then there were some things in my extended family that were going on that were just, there was a lot of chaos and trouble and difficulty and challenge and all of this sort of stuff. And so I went on this retreat reluctantly, begrudgingly, and for the first hour of the retreat, I just did nothing but sort of mutter to myself inside. And then I had this sort of awakening where I thought, well, I'm on a prayer retreat. Perhaps I could pray. Okay? So it was like a revelation. Why, why don't you try praying? Okay, good thought. So here was my prayer. This is literally what I said, and this is what the Lord spoke back to me. I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't feel good. All of these things are going, I, I, can't, I, I, I can't fix my body. I, there's these things going on in my, I can't fix things. I can't fix things around me. I can't fix anything. That's, that was the cry of my heart. That was, the, that was my, the full extent of my prayer. Lord, I can't fix anything. And as clear as I know how to hear from God, I heard him say these words. But there is one thing that you can fix. 
you can fix your eyes on me. And it was one of those he touched me moments, nothing changed, but everything changed. Because my focus changed. Where's our focus? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 1, the very beginning of the book we're, we're studying here in, Romans, in Hebrews 12, the very beginning of that book has these words. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through him also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. This is who we're fixing our eyes on. We're fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is the pioneer of our faith. Hebrews 2, 10 and 11 says these, says this, these words, Hebrews 2, 10 and 11, in bringing many sons, many daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. He's not ashamed to call you his brother, his sister, because he's the pioneer of our faith. He is also the perfecter of our faith, as it says in Hebrews 11.40, God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. He perfects our faith. You can't fix yourself. You can't fix your circumstances. You can't fix others around you. But you can fix your eyes on him and he will empower you. For it says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And certainly that all things includes running the race that he has placed before you. And there is no temptation, there is no test, there is no trial that you are facing that God in Christ by his spirit cannot give you what you need to get through. It's true. I've experienced it. I've been at the lowest of the lows and I have had God pick me up and take me through and keep me going. Last thing, the prize. The prize. At the end of the finish line, there's a prize. What's the prize? First, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We are not yet at the end of the story. Our race hasn't been finished, but when it does, don't, so don't look back, don't look up. I mean, don't look back, look up, look ahead, and keep running for your life until you are home. 
Fix your eyes. Fix your eyes, not on what is seen, but as what is unseen. Most of you know, a couple years ago, I had the opportunity to preach this message, not this message, but a message related to what I shared with you earlier about fixing our eyes at my nephew's funeral, who tragically died of an accidental overdose. And um, so I'm sitting there with 200 young men and women who are in various places as it relates to treatment and other kinds of things. And I was able to speak into their lives and say these words. You're looking for a fix. Because that's what alcohol, drugs, sex, whatever it is, shopping, all of the other, whatever, whatever it is in your life and in mine. We're all looking for a fix to get temporary relief. But God wants to give you not a temporary relief. He wants to restore you. He wants to rebuild you. He wants to revive you. Because he didn't just come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. And he wants you to live in the fullness of his purposes. So this morning you've heard it from beginning to end and hear it again right now. Whatever your situation that you are in, whatever your circumstance, as you look around in our culture and whatever circumstance or situation we find ourselves in collectively, remember this, your race isn't over yet. So stop looking back. Stop looking around. Look up. Look ahead. And run for your life. Let me close with this simple illustration. The snow covered the ground where three boys were playing. And a man came along and said to them, Would you like to try a race and the winner receive a prize? The boys agreed, and the man told them that his race was going to be different. I'm going to go to the other side of the field, he said. And when I give you the signal, you're going to start to run. And the one whose footsteps are the straightest in the snow will be the winner. The race started and the first boy kept looking at his feet to see if his steps were straight. The second boy kept looking at the other two boys to see how they were running and was trying to keep in step with them. But the third boy kept his eyes up on the man at the other side of the field and kept running towards him. That's what we're called to do. Don't look down. Don't look around. Look up and see your Savior. The worship team is going to come and we're going to sing one of the greatest, one of my favorite hymns. We're going to sing Fairest Lord Jesus which is alternately known as Beautiful Savior. And as we sing it, I invite you to look up this morning. And if you are in the middle of something going on in your life, and you need... 
to refocus today and fix your eyes on him. I'm going to open up this altar. Maybe you've never come to Christ. Maybe you've never made a commitment to receive Jesus. Today can be that day. Tom and Kathy are right up here in front. They would love to pray with you. Just come and ask them and say, would you please pray with me? I'd like to step into this relationship. Maybe you've just gotten distracted. I don't know. I get, maybe nobody else does. I get distracted. But if you'd just like to join me here at the altar, as we sing, Ferris, Lord Jesus, I just invite you to come and join me, and then I'm going to pray a prayer of benediction. And after that, my wife will be heading right away to my house, our house, for um, the welcome lunch. And as Tom mentioned, I mean, if you've not been to our house, now, I got a call this week from Dorothy. Dorothy and Eldon, who've been here for several years now, have not been to my house yet. So they're coming today. So if you want to join Dorothy and Eldon, all right, and others, just come and join us. It would be our honor to have you with us. Can we stand together to make room for those that need to move out? If you'd like, please stay in the sanctuary until we've sung this. If you could just stay present, I promise I'll give a prayer benediction after this. But if you'd like to come right now and refix your eyes on him, as he invites you to run today for your life, come, step out. Mm. Now with hands open, receive the benediction. Receive the benediction. And now, Lord Jesus, thank you for speaking into us this day. We receive your word today and we receive your hand on our back to keep running, to not give up, to keep pressing, to keep persevering. Jesus, would you infuse us with all that we need to run the race that you have marked out before us. For those that are running in an open space right now, we rejoice. For those that are running in a very tight place right now, Lord, we trust. And I pray that every single one here, with hands open now, receive the immeasurable love of God the Father, the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, the inexhaustible strength, power, comfort, and hope of the Holy Spirit be with you and yours. As you go from this house to yours, sent to make disciples of all nations, go with the banner of His goodness and favor over your lives. And until we might meet again, either in this house or in our eternal home, I bless you this day. And pray that His love and mercy will chase you down this day and every day for His glory and praise. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen.